Well, as we take a look at this uh, next part of Scripture that we've been going through in Acts chapter 9, uh, I kind of want to just kind of refresh us back to what we've been looking at uh, yet last week and then, and then come forward again. But, you know, I, I want you to think today about something. I want you to think of a time when you received or uh, something uh, touched your life in such an amazing way that it completely gave you a 180. When it completely turned the way you thought, completely turned the way you act, uh, possibly turned the way that you, uh, that you think. Think about that time. Well, has there been one of those? Has there been that, uh, that time where, wow, that was a not just game changer, that was a life-changing moment? Because that's what was happening right now, right now with, with Saul, okay? We remember, let's go backwards a little bit, what he did in, uh, or who he was from chapter 7, 8, 9. We know that he was a persecutor of the church, right? We know that he was hunting Christians and was unmerciful. He had blinders on, figuratively of course, but was going after what would the world appreciate? Getting rid of the Christians in his mind. And there was a life changer. He became, he came in contact with Jesus Christ himself in a way that completely changed him. The title of the sermon is Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, because that's what Saul has done. He's going to be standing up for Jesus. And we're going to go through a couple of different things. We're going to look at three different aspects of this, of this, uh, this passage of Scripture. Number one, how he, Saul evangelized. You can go to the next slide. Saul evangelized to Damascus. Second thing we're going to look at is Saul's escape from Damascus. Uh, it's kind of funny how this happens is that, you know, he was going one direction and everybody was all happy with him. And then all of a sudden, he changed. He became new. Well, they didn't. And they were going to want to kill him. We've read that already. And then third thing, the evidence of his conversion. Because there were some people that were like, no, I know this dude. I watched him. This guy's a bad news guy. We didn't want anything to do with him. Okay, so those are the three things we're going to take take a look at. But the first thing is, is that we're, let's let's go back to verse seventeen real quick, chapter nine, verse seventeen. Where and I left my glasses in my office. Okay, someone hold it back there for me. Oh, thank you, Brooks. Cool. I get to wear those deals. Even better. Okay. Mm, this is even better than mine. Okay, verse 17. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember that, okay? Filled, regain your sight, blinders off, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately... They fell from his, and, and immediately they, there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight. 
And he got up and was baptized, and he took food and was strengthened. Now this is where we, 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 we start where, where Blair started reading, where it says, Now for several days he was in with the disciples who were in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. All those hearing him continued to be amazed, and were saying, Is this not he? who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on his name and who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests. So we see there that, that he is now evangelizing. He is, he is gone from three days of being unable to see where Jesus continued to talk to his heart and prepare him. Then send somebody to touch him, to lay hands on him, to love him unconditionally, even when he, this person knew how bad this guy really was. But he was obedient, and so was Saul. And immediately, like scales, they fell from his eyes. He was now no longer blind. And what did he do? Got up, started to eat food. Started to get his strength back. And then he goes and starts to preach to those in Damascus. The ones that, that he was there to capture. And it said, remember in last, last, last verse? or He was there to bring men and women bound back to Jerusalem. Those same people, he was now there to witness to, there to share the word of God. Some, 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 Christians, some Christians counsel new believers to wait until they are thoroughly grounded in their faith before attempting to share the good news. Have we ever done that? Well, you really shouldn't yet. You don't know of, you don't know enough. I'll tell you this right now, everybody. Church, I'll tell you this right now. As soon as Jesus touches your lives, you know enough to say, my God is awesome. Look what he has done. No, Saul was not ready. He was fully trained, though, in the Torah, in the Bible, in what they could consider, continued to call the book of the law. So he knew all of that. He knew Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He had those down. But now Jesus had opened his eyes to why those five books were even written. And he went and said, I got to tell you how awesome this man that I just met is. The same guy who was persecuting you before is saying, this is the real deal. He was not continued to be fully trained. No, he was not. He did not complete, continue to, to know the, all the ins and outs. Of course not. But Saul spent time with the other believers to learn about Jesus before beginning his worldwide ministry. He did not wait to witness. Can you imagine this man who was persecuting him were sitting now with those that had walked and talked with Jesus and was being fed and was being 
prepared for his ministry. The ministry that was going to be one of the greatest ministries that we know. Because this man who was blind but now can see was sharing the good news of Jesus. Paul, Saul, evangelized to those in Damascus. His arguments that he shared were powerful because he was a brilliant scholar. Even more convincing, however, was his changed life. People knew that, that when they saw when, that, that Saul taught was real because they could see the evidence in the way he lived. You know, I'm going to tell you this, that it is not always what you know or what you say, but it's how you live. I think we understand that, don't we? We talked about that a couple times so, so far where we, can, we hear what you're saying, but we're not watching you walk the walk. Does anybody have a hard time with that? I do. Oh, I got it. I can read the Bible. I know what God's telling me. But man, what's the first thing I do when something bad comes up? I want to gorge myself on a pizza. Prayer? No. Uh, extra large toppings, uh, all of them. Not the fishes, though. Ugh. Right? Well, this one was changed in such a way, in such a dramatic way, that he was completely different. He was the guy that said, I know I did wrong, but I got the truth now. I was here to find those that were following the way to put them in jail, and now I am on the way, following the truth. He evangelized to those in Damascus. That was the first thing. The second thing he did, because guess what happens? Guess what happens? Verse 23 through 25, we see that... Uh, we see, and when many days had lapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. But their plot became known to Saul. They were also watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the, in, in the wall, luring him in a basket. Here we see, here we see, upon hearing the plot against him, Saul needed to leave. Saul knew exactly what he was supposed to do. He, uh, he listened, but he also watched. And God spoke to him. You know, you've, you've, you've heard me pray, pray, pray those, those, those words, please God, give us provision, protection, and power. Right? You've heard me pray those things? Because I believe very hardly in all three of those things. I ask God every single day to protect me and those I love and those that I serve. Then I ask him to provide where there is need. And third, fill me with the Spirit to know exactly what you want. I pray that continually. Here, Paul lived it. Saul lived it. He's not Paul yet. Close. He said, Lord, I need some protection. Provide a way out of here. And I need some power to continue to grow because I know you have something for me to do. So help me. So we look in Galatians chapter 1. I should probably just leave them on, huh? Okay. Galatians chapter 1, verses 17, 18, 19. I'm going to read pretty much to the end, 17 through 24. 
And this is again uh, Paul's letter to the Galatians. Nor did I go to Jerusalem. This is talking about what he did, his account of what happened. Nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were, who, to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. There, three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Caiaphas, Peter, okay, and staying with him 15 days, but I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now, in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I'm not lying. Okay? Then I went into the region of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea which were in Christ. But only they kept hearing who was once persecutor of us, is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy. He was preaching doctrine. And they were glorifying God because of what I was preaching. We see there that Paul left Damascus and traveled away to Arabia, the desert region southeast of Damascus, okay, where he lived for three years. It's unclear here whether the three years uh, stay occurred between verse 22 and 23 or between 25 and 26. I'm going to give you where I believe it falls. I'm a, I'm a literal, I literal believe what's being written. I don't go and say, well, that's metaphoric or that's... No, no, I, I, no. It, if it's what it says, it says. But what it says, and, I, and I've read more than one commentator this, this, this week, and they go, well, it could be, this could be. Paul's night escape occurred during his first stay in Damascus, just after his conversion. The Philistines were, or the, not the Philistines, the Pharisees were especially upset over his defection from, from their ranks. He would have fled to Arabia to spend time alone with God and to let the Jewish religious leaders calm down just a hair. Regardless of which theory of the, you can read, and there's, there's a bunch of them, there was, a, there was three years between Paul's conversion and his trip to Jerusalem. What happened in those three years? What happens in three years? Just take, just take a little vacation for three years? He continued to grow. He continued to get stronger spiritually, emotionally, physically. Three years of no longer having to fight, fight, fight. Because what has just happened? He turned, he was going this way, oops, wrong, Jesus, hi, how are you? We're now walking together this way. Okay? And everybody over here and everybody over there wanted to kill him. Who else has, done, who else has been wanting to be killed after they share the good news? Uh, let me think. All of them? Every one of the apostles, guess what? They all die. 
We were talking today about different ways uh, that, that, that they were martyred. There are some doozies. We saw one, right, Stephen? Stoned? How about, you ever hear of someone being quartered? Horse, 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 slap, rip. That was one of them. Another one was put into a log, sawed in half inside. Another one was crucified, right? Said, I'm not worthy to be crucified. Upside down. Okay? It goes on and on. They all go. <laughs> Some way or another. It's real. They waited outside the gates because they hated him so much because he has now defected. This guy who knew and was the follower of the law defected from normal, their normal thoughts. We no longer are good to you. We want to kill you. Reminds me of uh, yesterday, Dylan and I were watching a, a documentary I don't want to get, I get into everything, but they're talking about animals. And when an animal is no longer useful, what do you do? You put it down. They're talking about different, different types of animals and what they were doing. And it was pretty, pretty awful. But the thing is, is that that's what they looked at Saul as, is he's no longer useful to us, so we need to put him down. And he escapes and spends three years learning training, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow! Can you imagine? This man who everybody loved and now hated. So he comes back, right? He comes back, verse 26 and 27. I lost my spot. Nine, okay, 26 and 27. Okay? Uh, 26 and 27 where it says, when he came to Jerusalem, so now three years have gone, he's coming back, he was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all still afraid of him, not, not believing that he was a disciple, follower of Christ. But Barnabas took, him, took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him, and how the Damascus, he would spoke out boldly in the name of Jesus Christ. And he was with them moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of Jesus Christ. He was talking with arguments with the Hellenistic Jews, and they were attempting to put him to death still. And when the brethren learned of it, they brought him to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, which is where he's from. And then we see thir verse 31, the end result of this whole thing. The end result of this whole thing is, verse 31, that all the churches became peaceful. They had peace. So let's go back again and see exactly what is going on here. What's going on here is very simple. The evidence of Paul's conversion, they still didn't get it. They still didn't believe until the, remember who Barnabas is? The encourager? Remember? Remember? If you remember, nod your head. Make sure you're still there. You're awake. Okay, good. All right, because I'll be done shortly. Then you can go eat spaghetti. That's fine. The encourager showed up, came alongside, and said, I know you're going through hard times. You've, you've gone away for three years, and you come back, and it's still not any different. You're different because you're more powerful. 
but they still want to kill you. I'm going to vouch for you. Come here. Everybody, this is Saul. I got my arm around him. He wanted to kill you all. Jesus talked to him. Now he's different. Now he's brand new. Now he's one of us. That's what happened. Maybe not in those exact terms. I don't speak their language. He brought them this encouraging man, this Barnabas, came alongside and said, I'm going to help you with your ministry because I've been told to love you, even when it's hard. So, what is this about? Are we just getting a little history lesson on Paul? What's this about? Why are we even talking about Paul evangelizing and Paul escaping and Paul, the evidence of his conversion? Why? Again, it comes back to there's nothing God can't do. That's the first thing. Number two, the next thing that it's showing is that there needs to be a fellowship where people come along each other to encourage when they're going through hard times. Gracia just got done praying that there are people going through hard times and they need to have encouragement. It's the truth. Barnabas took it to the next level. He's been taking it to the streets the whole time. And now he says, I'm going to get another guy to help us because it's hard right now. And this guy, he's got it. This guy is going to be, this, this, God picked this guy. Think about what, when, 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 when he was blinded and Aeneas was sent to him, what did it say? Do you remember? Okay, I'll tell you. Then I'll be done. This is what it said. And I'll hold it this way because I'm not going to put them back on. Um, here it is, verse 15. Then the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. God spoke directly and said, This guy is on our team. Go get him. The early church was filled with these people that went through hard times, that needed to be encouraged, that were continually sharing the good news, having to escape from death, danger, and the evidence was real. Saul, soon to be Paul, was being used by God in such a marvelous way. And even though God had touched him in a very special way, he still needed to be encouraged by others in the body of Christ. So, one of the side notes I want to make today is that today, as we are in the body of Christ, things happen that are not great. Things happen that hurt our, our feelings, hurt our emotions, hurt and upset the apple cart. But that's when we come together. 
come together in Jesus Christ and allow him to teach us to be a Saul, to be a Barnabas, to be used an instrument of mine to share the good news. It's what God wants. And today as your pastor, I stand here and I tell you, Jesus loves you so much. No matter what you're going through, no matter how hard it is, He wants to use you in a very special way. And I'm asking that He does send someone, if you're going through a hard time, send someone to encourage you, to refocus you back on Jesus and why we do what we do. Things don't just happen because He prepares us as we pray for, here's the three P's again, power, to be filled with power, protection and provision. Because God wants to continue to fill us with His grace, mercy, and love. You know I had to split, split it in there one time. <laughs> I should just start off each sermon. God shares His grace, mercy, and love with you. Let's go. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I come before you and I thank you and I praise you and I love you. And Lord, as we see this account of, 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 of Saul and how you changed his life in a very miraculous way, I'm just asking, Lord, that you would allow us to be open to your, to your power too. Uh, allow us, if there is somebody that is in our, in our, in our fellowship that is going through a hard time, Lord, uh, bring, a, bring, a bar, uh, uh, bring, someone, bring an encourager alongside. Allow them to know that you have something special for them, that you want to share your grace, mercy, and love, and that you have a very special, special, unique plan for each one of our lives. Lord, let us, let us be open to you. Continue to fill us with your Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.